Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane and it's Friday, July the 10th. This week we're discussing cholera vaccine and I'm delighted to be joined by one of the main authors of the study, Dr Kadri. Please introduce yourself. Give us your full name and affiliation, please. Yeah, hi, good morning. I'm uh, Fridasi Kadri. I am from the ICDDRB. I'm a scientist who's been working on cholera vaccines and cholera infection for most of my career, and I'm actually now leading the Center for Vaccine Sciences at the ICDDRB. Excellent. Well, it's a pleasure to be speaking to you. Thank you for your time. I'm delighted to hear that you've been very busy dealing with media interviews around this paper. Excellent that the media are interested in your in your work, which is terrific. We're talking about cholera and we're talking about your trial, which is a cholera vaccine trial. Before we get into the details of the trial, for context, can you just tell us, because cholera uh, is endemic clearly still a real public health problem in some areas particularly in your country in Bangladesh and other areas how much of a public health problem is it today in 2015 and how is it currently managed you know historically cholera has always been there in the Ganges Delta and Bangladesh is in the Ganges Delta so and uh, it's been it's always a public health problem we do not recognize it as such because uh, of many reasons but it is an endemic disease in our country. Every year we have uh, two big epidemics in the spring and in the post-monsoon. And then when there's a flood or a cyclone and when the public health facilities decrease even more, there can be other um, epidemics. So it's like endemic, it's always there. It's uh, in ICDDRB where we is the diarrheal hospital where we look for cholera patients, we look after cholera patients. We see a big epidemic uh, following March, which uh, can, you know, lead to over a thousand patients coming to the hospitals every day with uh, diarrhea, and you know, 25 or even 40 percent of patients at any time can be with uh, cholera severe enough for people to come seek help. And who are the most vulnerable? Because I say it's an age-old disease. We know about cholera from London in the mid-19th century, but we're talking about cholera today in 2015, watery diarrhea, dehydration. Presumably the vulnerable vulnerable groups are young children, older people as well. Is that right? Yeah, the vulnerable group are both children and adults, but the security can be worse in young children because, you know, such rapid dehydration can kill. The other thing is that you know you can you uh, if you don't have access to safe water and uh, um, if you live in a under high risk conditions it's not just socioeconomic conditions just high risk conditions where um, you don't have many of the facilities that uh, that lead to good public health uh, living conditions you are prone to cholera just tell us about how you manage it how is it managed by health centers in endemic areas in the absence of uh, of a vaccine we have been able to manage cholera by the 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 research that icddrb has done on oral rehydration solutions and preventive measures giving the right intravenous fluid so our research is actually penetrated into the country and so death due to cholera we have a lot of cholera all year round but death due to cholera has for that reason decreased from what it was you know 25 years ago or 20 years ago because of the research that has shown how the treatment of cholera should be done so because of the experience but uh, it is world it's it's countrywide there are hot spots in the country that 
have cholera, but new areas of cholera can come up uh, any time. Tell us about your trial. One thing I, that struck me was just the coordination that must have been involved to get this trial underway. I mean, over 200,000 people enrolled. Tell us how you did it. It sounds fraught with difficulty and complications. We don't call this a trial. This was, uh, the, the, the history of this is like this. In 2007, we had the worst floods in Dhaka and in Bangladesh. And we saw so many patients coming in every day that, uh, like, you know, there were people coming in with a patient and would the, 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 the family member would fall down on another cot. It was as severe as that. And we saw about 40,000 patients in a six-week time. And in a one-year period, we see 20,000 patients. So it was a very bad epidemic, and that kept us started us thinking that, you know, this can't go on, and we must have some prevention. And so we were actually very fortunate that we talked to the the foundation, the Gates Foundation, and they were very receptive. And so from the very beginning, we didn't, we were, this was like a feasibility study to see the impact of vaccination in a high-risk uh, cholera endemic setting in Bangladesh. So this was to set the screen for the government, for the country, and for the world to understand, can we deliver two doses of our oral vaccine to people uh, using the government health facilities, using the Bangladesh government's EPI system, the national immunization system. So from the very beginning, we had many meetings, and the consensus was it ha doesn't. It needs to be real life, and we call it. We call this program, this whole thing, the introduction of cholera vaccine, vaccine to Bangladesh. So it's called the ICVB study for that reason. And how many people were involved? I think it was like 260,000 people, and we had three arms in the study. One arm got vaccine alone, two doses of the oral cholera vaccine, Shancol. One arm got the cholera vaccine plus um, behavior change component, that is hand washing and uh, uh, treatment of water facilities in their homes. So we had two arms, and then there was a non-intervention arm, which the, so all three groups were censored. All of them, we have information from all of them, but one arm just got nothing. They used the standard practices that are available in the country. So we compared each of the arm to the arm that got nothing. Tell us about results. We're looking at efficacy of around 40, 40 percent. Is that right? Is that the main finding? Yeah. Yeah, that's the overall protection. But uh, that's when we look at each in intervention arm, everybody over there, the people who got the vaccine, who didn't get the vaccine, and compared it to the non-intervention arm. So then it's 40 percent. But if we um, look at the people who were vaccinated in, in one intervention arm, compared to people in the non-intervention arm, it's higher. It's like 53 to 58 percent. Okay, and what do you think of that as a result? Is that a good result? I mean, that sounds yes. encouraging, but but obviously not not totally comprehensive. No, I, I think it was it's very good because you see this was a real life setting, and in Bangladesh where we did the study in Mirpur, it's a very highly migrating population. So people, when we did when we evaluated a two year result, fifty eight percent of the people had already migrated out. Based on that, we have shown that you know there's a fifty three percent protection. Um, I think generally we can say it's just like any other study. I mean, the 
other studies show 60, 65, but, you know, it's not significantly different. It's, uh, it's just the design of the study. This was not a phase three study, but it was a feasibility study. And with all the different nuances of, of a real-life setting, this is very encouraging. And the important thing was that protection for two years was sustained in all age groups and over the two-year period. Interestingly, the, you, you mentioned this earlier, that the one arm of the study was for people to receive the vaccine plus this behavioral uh, modification intervention, increased um, hand washing and hygiene. That didn't seem to have much additional effect. Is that right? It did have not, not, not a significant effect. So there was uh, people were given hand washing, um, hand washing buckets in the homes. Were, we had an NGO... This was actually led by an expert in the wash uh, sector, Dr. Steve Luby, who's done in Stanford. He was at ICD-DRB before. And so they got all the messages and uh, the, some of the interventions. So each household camp compound had a chlorine dispenser. And they were, by an NGO, they were taught how to use the chlorine dispenser to add to the water before they drank it or used it. And they also had... Uh, hand-washing stations in their homes, a bucket, and they were taught how to use soapy water, a very inexpensive form of uh, material for washing their hands because soap gets lost and stolen. So this was washing uh, soapy water in a plastic container. Uh, the soapy water, but what we found was that the chlorine uptake was not good. People did not like to drink chlorinated water. But the hand hand washing uh, did increase. But overall, the benefit to the vaccination was uh, not that much. Where do we go from here? So you've got some some encouraging, some positive findings from this real life uh, study, uh, as as you rightly describe it. There is another cholera vaccine available, isn't there? But this one is cheaper. Is that correct? This is the one that's cheaper. This is the affordable vaccine, yeah. What's the stage of the other vaccine? Is that is that being used or is that still being tested? That vaccine is actually a, also a two-dose vaccine. It has a different kind of a, um, procedure for vaccination. You need buffer to vaccinate. But that is actually available in over 50 countries in the world. And it's used as a traveler's vaccine. In earlier studies, it's been used for epidemics. But uh, with the availability of this affordable and more easy-to-use vaccine... Um, many studies are being carried out. You know, this vaccine has been used in Haiti and in other places. Following when we started our study, after that, there's been there have been many studies to use it in epidemics. Okay, so just on cost, how much does it cost per person? Right now, oh yeah, the right now the vaccine that we the vaccine costs three point seven dollars for two doses. It's a two dose vaccine. Two dose vaccine, three dollars seventy. Yeah, it's about five, six times at least lower than the cost of the other vaccine. Than, than the other travellers' vaccines. So yeah. what are the next steps, uh, implications uh, for policy and, uh, and for take-up? We have a number of plans. First of all, we, from the very beginning, we've been working with the Ministry of Health, with the uh, National Immunisation Programme of Bangladesh. So there's a lot of buy-in. So we have been working together with them, using all the machinery, their coal boxes, their coal rooms, their the mode of operation. So uh, there is all, already a very good knowledge of the OCV Bangladesh. The next steps are we are looking at different strategies for 
using the vaccine in Bangladesh, and we have approached Gavi for a for a, with a proposal for most more work on this. But at the same time, this proposal had from the very beginning an element of sustainability. So you know, having vaccines available in our country, we have a uh, secondary objective was to have it locally produced. So the International Vaccine Institute, which was uh, who were collaborators of these studies, were co-investigators. They have not transferred the technology of uh, OCV production to Bangladesh and uh, to a company, to a vaccine company. With that, we hope we will have uh, a more in inexpensive vaccine. It's exactly the same vaccine that that is available um, that we used in the study. It's just the technology transfer that was done to India, now it's done to Bangladesh. So that is a very good thing that has happened and we now hope that you know that vaccine availability in Bangladesh will make it uh, make the vaccination program more uh, easily done here and remember that the vaccine is in short short supply globally so the worldwide you need millions of doses or even billions but we have only about two three or four two three million doses of vaccine available each year because of uh, the industrial, I mean, the pharmaceutical problems related to larger productions. With this new approach in Bangladesh, there will be more vaccine available, at least for the country. Uh, we have a population of 160 million. If you think that, you know, even 25 million people are at risk of the cholera. So we can have enough vaccine, two doses, for, the, for our own setting and maybe later on for other settings in the world. Very interesting study indeed, and, and potentially a very important study for Bangladesh and other countries who have endemic cholera. So I wish you all the very best. Dr. Kadri, thank you very much for talking to The Lancet. It was a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>